many of you have been leaning in a little more this week? Leaning in. <laughs> As I was uh, preparing for this week, I wanted to give some practical things at the end, and I started kind of just making a list of some practical, practical keys for, for how, and you'll understand. And I started just writing them out. I wasn't looking at my notes from last week, and I'm thinking, you know what, everybody just needs to lean in a little more. Um, as I was writing my, my keys for how, Pastor David always is interested in how. Give some practical things. So, so I'm going to hopefully get to a point where it's practical. I was uh, talking to my wife one time, and, and we were talking about, uh, for, I actually forget. I said, well, you know what, you just need to take your thoughts captive. And in my head, that's just so practical. And she said to me, well, what does that mean? Well, you just take the thoughts captive. And she was like, but, but how? I said, well, you capture them. How? <laughs> so so for, for me, when I say something, sometimes it's just so practical, and I totally understand it in my head, but... Maybe you won't catch it, so I, I'm going to try to break it down so that everybody can grasp it, not just me. I'm, I'm so excited. Hopefully, I'll leave you excited. <laughs> the uh, passage I want to, I really want to get to this morning, and so I'm going to just start with it so that we get to it, and then we'll see where else we go. Um, Abraham was blessed with Isaac. And then God said, I want you to go sacrifice him. I can't imagine what Abraham must have been thinking. Um, uh, you know, I, I imagine maybe in the culture there was human sacrifice at that time and but God had called him out of that. And now what, God, you want me to sacrifice? Plus, this is the promise. So I'm going to kill the promise? Eliminate the promise? But he obeyed. He obeyed. And, and it says he had his knife. He, can you imagine? What, what was Isaac thinking? as Because it says in there that Abraham bound him. Like, can you imagine what Isaac was thinking? Because on the way to make the sacrifice, Isaac says, uh, Dad, we, f we forgot the lamb. <laughs> and Abraham says, oh, the Lord will provide. <laughs> okay, okay. But then, you know, they start building, he, and, and he had Isaac carry his own wood. The wood that was going to be used to sacrifice him, Isaac was carrying it. I get just, just picturing this in my head. It's like, wow. So I'm, I'm sure they, they got the altar prepared. They put the wood on. And then, like, did, did Abraham have to manhandle him? Like, did, did Isaac try to squirm? Like, hey, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm not the sacrifice. <laughs> i just imagining that scene. But anyways, I, 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 I have to stay to my point. The point, the point is, he was about to, to fo follow through on just that extreme act of obedience and and then the lord the angel of the lord comes uh, speaks and says stop and and uh and then they find another uh and and then there's a ram caught in a thicket but here genesis chapter 2 verse 18 15 sorry so they now sacrificed the ram that had been caught in the thicket. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time now from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And I want to I 
get to and focus on this last line. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. We've done a lot of studying this past fall and as we move into this new year between men's ladies, men's Bible study, the ladies' Bible study, um, and in our life groups. And one of the points we focused on was the fact that we are the gate of heaven as a people. As, a, as you personally, you are the gate of heaven. As a corporate body, we are the gate of heaven. And I, wanna, I just want to rehearse a few things. And then I'm going to make a round trip and we're going to hit this verse again. But in, in the Old Testament, the gate was very significant in the culture. You'd have a city, and they would fortify it, and the gate was the access point of, of their domain. And if an enemy was able to capture the gate, it therefore controlled. It was in control of the lives of the people of that city. It controlled what went in, it went what went out, it could restrict certain things, it could abolish certain things, it could torment the people. But whoever controlled the gate controlled the person. It was the transition point. The gate was a transition point from fields, flocks, crops to city life. It's a transition point. If you think of yourself as the gate of heaven, you are the transition point of what's in heaven and what's on earth. I want to go to a couple passages where it talks about us being the gate, but I want to talk about the gate first. It was a, it was a place where the elders, the people of influence met to dictate what would happen in their city, to set the rules, the laws, the legislation for the city. The gate is a place of influence. So think about your life. Are you a person of influence? And what do you influence? What kind of gate are you? They would judge matters. They would make decisions at the gate. Have you ever thought, well, oh, somebody else is dictating my life? <laughs> Somebody's making decisions, and I have no control over my life. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. The gate, it was the place of influence. When Absalom wanted to overthrow David, his father. It says that he would hang out at the gate of the city and as the elders would come, as the people of influence would come, he would listen to them and he, it says he, he, he captured their heart. He listened. And he became an influence on them and he was able to rally the elders the people of influence, and to revolt against the king. It happened at the gate where he gained his influence. A gate represented territory. If you captured the gate, you captured the city, you then ruled and had dominion over the territory of that region. Whoever controlled the gate controls what was allowed. A gate offered protection. If you conquered the gate, you overran the territory. It lost its protection. So a gate is an incredibly important key in your life. Now, the idea of the gate 
and the fact that you are the gate. It comes from Genesis chapter 28 when Jacob, he gets kind of forced out of his home territory and his dad kind of says, okay, go back to your uncle. And he was forced out and he comes and he's traveling now from, from um, his home area and he's going north, going north up the map, Brenda. North, up the map. And he passes through Shechem on his way to Haran. And it's nighttime, so he lays down and he has the infamous dream of the stairway to heaven. And the voice of the Lord, the angels up and down the ladder. And he wakes up and he says, what an awesome place this is. So, um, Cora, just so that everybody can read with me. Uh, chapter 28, verse 17. And he, he awoke up and he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the, the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we are told that the house of God is the gate of heaven. And who are we? So first of all, we are the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are individually the house of God. And corporately, we're the house of God. Therefore, we are the gate of heaven. Amen? Jesus fulfilled this. We weren't the, we're not the ones who originally fulfilled this. Jesus himself fulfilled this. John chapter 1. He is baptized. The heavens open. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and descends and rests and remains on Jesus. Then at the end of chapter 1 and verse 51, um, when this whole experience happened, there's a couple disciples that joined him at that time. And they, they went and they wanted to bring Jesus to their, their friend, Nathaniel. And Jesus said, yeah, Nathaniel, I saw you under this tree. And, and Nathaniel was just blown away. And, and he looked at his friends and said, yeah, this, this is the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus says, oh, you think that's incredible? You're going to see the Son of Man with the open heaven, with the angels ascending and descending upon him. So we see Jesus, the original fulfillment of this dream that Jacob had. And that was John 1, 51, if you're taking notes and you want to follow along there. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the gate of the sheep. So we see Jesus declaring himself to be the gate. That's John chapter 10, verse 7. Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He says again in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. So we see Jesus making a declaration that he's the gate of the sheep. Peter's confession in Matthew 16. I'm just going to, I want to run through some scripture verses, build a little bit of a foundation, and then, and then I'll not talk into the mic anymore because my hands will be all over the place. But I want to, I just want to, I want to set the table here. <laughs> so bear with me as I go through these passages of scripture. Write them down because it, I, you know what? Just I just start reading, and, and uh, I was in Luke chapter 10, and it says, and after this, so I said, after what? And I just I would back up a chapter, and I read, and it's just amazing how God's word just, wow. Amen. Chapter 16 of Matthew 16. This is when G Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, um, Cora, if you want to throw these up and uh, so everybody can follow along. How many of you brought your Bibles? I brought a Bible this week. 
I brought a Bible this week. Matthew 16, 17. Jesus answers, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Next verse. I also say to you that you are Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, some people have interpreted this that Peter was the rock upon which the church was built. It's actually said, Jesus says, Peter, you are a stone. And upon this rock, and the word for rock there is Petra. And every other place that that word for rock is referenced, it's a large stone, literally a hillside. And then in other cases, the rock is referred to as the foundation. And then in Corinthians, it talks about that Jesus is the Petra. So when, when Jesus tells Peter, makes this statement, you are a stone, but he's saying, I am the rock, and I will build my gateway, and the, the gateway of the church will, will not be prevailed against by the gates of hell. How do you become that gateway? How do you become the gateway that is superior than the gateway of Hades, of hell, depending on which transit? Here, here's a, as I was thinking about this and I came across this, it, it, Jesus had told a parable about the, the house the house, so I want, you, I want you to get these parallels. The house that was built on the rock. And then there was a house that was built on sand. And what was the difference between, besides the foundation, what made, what, what was the difference between those two houses? So this will be key number one. The person who hears the word and does the word now has a foundation. And that foundation is the Petra. Actually, if you look at that verse, he builds his house on the rock. The person who hears and applies. This was a, I remember this was a Sunday school lesson I taught kids 15 years ago. I don't know if you remember that, Olivia, but we were down in the basement on Sultan. Do you remember Sultan Road? Down in the basement, set up a few tables, and we were talking. And uh, the application, number one, key number one, to make your gate superior to Hades' gate. Application of the word. If you apply the word, you're literally building your life on the Petra, on Jesus Christ. When you apply God's word. The, ho the house that was built on sand was a person who heard the word, but never applied it. That's the, the person that's shouting, amen, 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 during the word, during the during the church service, and then it goes out and forgets it all. Amen. Come on, you got to shout me down. Shout me down. The key, the number one key, key number one, and I'll, I'll probably jump out some more as we talk, but take the word and apply it to your life. That means live it. And that's why I said as I was studying this and I was trying to come up with some practical, lean in. 
Lean in to what you've been hearing. Lean in to God's word. Apply it to your life. Amen. Here, the gates of hell of Hades will not overpower it. The, the word overpower it means it will, it will not be superior in strength. It will not overcome. It will not prevail. When you build your life on the rock, you become a superior gateway to the gates of hell, to the gates of darkness, to the gate of sin, to the gate of death, to the gate of chaos, disruption, stress. Whatever gateway you want to call, think about your life and think, what is it that is the biggest thing in my life? Chaos, stress, finances, confusion, whatever that gate is. Jesus Christ is superior. The power of the cross, superior. And if you've built your life, if you allow Jesus Christ to build you, that means apply him to your life. You will become superior. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says, and of his fullness. Of his fullness we have received. How many of you are exercising his fullness in your life? I'll go through my list of hows and then go to the scripture verses. That way I, I get to my hows. When you look at, actually, I'm going to go to another passage of scripture first. Because this will set it up. Jesus was uh, casting out demons. He was overcoming the gates of hell. Literally in his... In his walk on earth, he was overcoming the gates of hell. And he was casting out demons. And the Pharisees said, oh, he's casting out demons. So this, this story is Luke 11, verse uh, about 15 or 16. He's casting out demons by Beelzebub. I looked up how to say that word because I wanted to make sure I said it right. It's Beelzebub. The ruler of the demons. So then Jesus says, well, if I'm casting out demons by the power of the, the king of the demons, then a, a, a kingdom divided by, against itself cannot stand. Then he gets to verse 20. So we're going to skip to verse 20. 11, Luke 11. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, Matthew says, by the, the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Did he cast out demons by the finger of God? Yes, so the kingdom has come. I, I just want to stop for 30 seconds here. The kingdom has come. It's not a kingdom waiting to come in the future. The kingdom has come. Have we seen the fullness of the kingdom? No, we haven't. Have you seen the fullness of salvation? According to Paul, no, we haven't. The, 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 the finalization of salvation is the salvation of our bodies. There's a principle in, in, in Scripture about increasing. Faith by faith. I prayed that over Pastor Winona. Strength to strength, 
glory to glory. Of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. So if people want to, because I had, sorry, I had somebody talk to me about this a little while ago. So that's why I want to just clarify, just in case there's any doubt, and just in case somebody wants to say something to you. The kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God dwells within you. It is here. It has come. Is the fullness of the kingdom, has it arrived? It's ever increasing. It's increasing in glory. It's increasing in power. There will be. There will be a fullness. But don't let anybody tell you the kingdom is not here. Because it has come. We are part of the kingdom. Jesus said, if you are born again, you enter. Okay, that's not what he said. He says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter. So, just, I, I got You know now that you're on computer, your message... This message will never die. <laughs> It'll be around forever. So, got to clarify. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again. But once you are born again, you see it, and you can enter it. Why can you enter it? Because it is here. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, the kingdom is not meat. No, Paul said, kingdom of, of God is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. When you are born again, who do you receive? You receive the Holy Ghost. You become a temple of the Holy Ghost. You become the temple of the kingdom because the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. And it's within you. So it's not a kingdom that we're trying to radically enforce physically. But as we, it enters into your heart, it changes your life, you actually ch physically change things. So it's, it's a physical change that happens from the, the inside of a person and exudes out. It's not something that we try to impose legislatively, but it's something we, we change a person, we can change. You transform a person, you can transform their home, you can transform their neighborhood, you can transform their city, country. It's a transformation. How does it begin? The kingdom of God that is here. Anyways, back, back on track here. And actually, sorry, it, it's actually one of my passages here. It says... Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom that you are part of, we just read, what Jesus Christ is building is superior, is superior to the kingdom of darkness, is superior to the sin that so easily wants to beset us and entrap us and ensnare us. It's superior. The kingdom that you are a part of is more powerful and is superior to death itself. To every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, every chain, every prison door. The kingdom of God is superior. And the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. Amen. So, back to Luke. Back to Luke eleven twenty. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a, next verse. When a strong man, this is, I, I, this, this is exciting. When a strong man who is fully armed guards his house, his possessions are undisturbed. Now, who is he talking about in this passage? He's talking about Satan. He's talking about Satan. Satan, up to this point, had been undisturbed as the prince 
of darkness. So his possessions, his house was safe and Satan himself was fully armed. When Jesus died on the cross, went down to the hell, it says he actually stripped him, disarmed him. So what Jesus is talking about here in this passage is Satan, the strong man. The strong man is a ruler, is a valiant person. He's a warrior. So when Satan, fully armed, guards his house by way of his gate, Okay, I want you to put some of these pieces together. Put some of these pieces together. He guards the gate of his house. His possessions are undisturbed. Next verse. But when someone stronger than he attacks. Now that is not a passive term. When I talk about leaning in, I'm not talking about leaning over, dipping your toe in the pool to see if it's welcoming. That's not the terminology that Jesus uses. It's not a dip in the toe and see how it's going. It's not a, let's give this a try for 21 days. Because in 21 days, my habit's broken. And now I'm building a new habit. It's not about 21 days. It's not a dipping a toe in. And I'm going to show something a little, a little later, hopefully. Whew, three minutes. Okay. When someone's stronger, who's the stronger one? Jesus Christ. Of his fullness, we've received. He's building us into a gateway. Amen? Attacks him, overpowers him, and takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. That's why I asked you, what is the gate? What is it that you struggle with that torments you? that confuses you what is it that you struggle with and again it could be attitudes it could be an action it could be finances it could be health it could be choices you make whatever what is it well when someone stronger which has already happened by the way <laughs> so, just so you know, it's not a future event. This happened. Jesus Christ, the stronger one, attacked Satan. Jesus Christ overpowered him. Jesus Christ took away all his armor. Now he has nothing left that he can rely on. And Jesus Christ is distributing, distributing the plunder. What have you been plundered of? What have you been plundered of? I need to get into my house. Read Luke 9. Jesus sends out the 12. Luke 10. He then sends out the 70. And every time. Here, here's actually. I'll just read it because it's. So awesome. He called the 12, Luke 9, verse 1, and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. He's given that to us. Why can Jesus give us power and authority? Because it's all his. Jesus in Matthew 20 said, all power. How much did that leave for Satan? None. Zero. He's been stripped of his authority. He has been disarmed. We are, we go up against someone that is already defeated. Why do so many people struggle?
Nobody know the answer to that? Okay. <laughs> because we believe a lie. We believe a lie. Anyone who is in Christ is a, a completely new creation. You believe a lie about yourself and you go back to where you were. You get hung up in where you were. And now, that, that's really easy for me to say, isn't it? Yep. It's really easy to say. How? Pastor David, I'm getting to the how now. But I got to go through Luke 10 first. <laughs> he sends out the 70. And they all come back in verse 17. And the 70 returned with joy. So Luke 10, 17. With joy. Lord, even the demons. So now this is the 70, not the 12 from chapter 9. And he said, I was, this is Jesus. I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Wow. Now, I don't know if he was having a flashback to before creation when, when Satan got kicked out of heaven or if he was watching a, a preview of, of his demo. In the three days he was in the tomb. I don't know, I don't know what you want. But all I know is it's happened. He's done. And he's he's behold, this is Jesus next, verse 19, I think it is. The next verse after that one. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all. The power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. All the power, that includes Satan himself and every demonic force that he wants to bring up against you. It includes all the power, includes every sickness, every disease, every sin, every attitude. All. If you ask me a question, I'll say yes. Does it include this? Yes. Does it include that? Yes. Does it include that? Yes. Why? Because it's all wrapped up in all. Amen? If you back up, I want to back up for a couple minutes because here's the how. Luke 11, if you go to actually back up to 9 and 10, you know what it says about Jesus? That he was alone praying, and then he came and talked to his disciples. He sent them out. They come back. And he was alone praying. The disciples come back, give him a report. So he brings them aside. He's going to take them off for a few days of discipleship. And then the 5,000 came. And he had to, they got interrupted. He's, at, he's, he's now praying. So two or three times in 9 and 10, he's praying. Luke 11 comes around where that passage was from. Verse 1, he's praying, and he finishes his prayer time. And his disciples say, teach us to pray. Lord's Prayer. But I want to look at verse 5. In the context of prayer. And before we look at that 11.5. But as I was thinking about this. Because some people say prayer. And they, they think about what I thought about 40 years ago. Prayer. Going to a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. And trying to think of things to pray for for two hours. In a prayer meeting. What I've come to learn is that prayer is a lifestyle. I can be driving my car, and I've just started trying as much as I can to drive my car without any radio or even music and just pray. Talk to God. I can be um, mopping up water in my basement in the middle of the night, and I'm in prayer mode. I'm in prayer mode. I'm talking to God. Prayer is, is 
I had, I had other notes. I couldn't find them. Prayer is not a moment. The church has brought prayer down to a moment of time where I focus on prayer. But prayer is not a moment. Prayer is not an event. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's your life of communion with God. Whether that's praying intentionally for specific things, intercessing, supplication, thanksgiving. It can be that, but it can also be, oh, thank you, Lord, that car just missed me. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I just about got hit by... Your prayer life is a lifestyle of communion where in any moment you're connected to God, you're, con you're listening to the Holy Spirit, and it becomes a lifestyle, sorry, it becomes a lifestyle of communion, a lifestyle of connection. Not a moment of, oh, when I get home, I'm going to pray. No, right there, right then. When you live your life in prayer mode. How many of you remember man-to-man, -man, ladies' Bible study? Prayer mode becomes opportunity awareness. Instead of opportunity blind. If you're not in prayer mode, if you're not in a lifestyle of prayer, opportunities for ministry, of help, of encouragement, they'll pass you by because you're not connected with God. Because you've, you've limited your prayer life to being home at the kitchen table to thank the Lord for my food before I eat it. But when you're in prayer mode, the Holy Spirit is con in continuous, continual communication with you and you with him and a person can need encouragement and you'll spot it right there right then because you're in tune you're connected accidents are no longer accidents they're divine appointments a disaster is not a a wasted time and event it's an opportunity it's a divine appointment it's it's a chance for ministry Doors are opened rather than locked. You live life with expectation instead of hopelessness. In prayer mode, in connection mode. So Jesus, Luke 11, 5. He's taught them how to pray. And then he goes further. And he talks about, he, he gives a story about this man who has a guest coming and he arrives at midnight and he needs bread. And he goes to his neighbor and knocks on the door and says, do you have some bread? And this, Jesus tells us the thought process of this neighbor. The neighbor says to himself, I better get him the bread, not because he's my neighbor, not because he's my friend, but because if I don't get him the bread now, he's going to come back in 20 minutes. And he's going to pester me all night long until I give him the bread. So it had nothing to do with friendship. It had nothing to do with convenience. It had to do with persistence. And again, is your prayer life, I'm going to dip my toe in the pool, see if it's the right temperature. I'm going to try praying every day in the morning for five minutes and then after two weeks nothing's happened man this prayer stuff just doesn't work it's about jesus said it's about persistence and it's about consistency your prayer life you look, you see it in Luke 9, 10, 11. It's about your pursuit of God himself. In Luke chapter 10, near the end, it's the story of Jesus and he visits the home of Mary and Martha. 
and Martha's busy. Who was it that said, making sandwiches that nobody wanted? I forget who said that. But she was busy. And then she got upset and she goes to Jesus and said, can you get Mary to help me? And Jesus said, Mary's pursuing me. And Jesus said, she has done the one thing. She's done the one thing. She's pursuing the one thing. What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? The how. The how is live your life in prayer mode. Pursue the one thing. Pursue God himself. Pursue that life, that relationship. Pursue it. Go after it. Be consistent. Be per, per, persistent and consistent. How? What's, what's your thought life looking like? What is your thought life looking like? Your mind. You want to transform your gate into a powerful gate? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thought process. How do you do that? In prayer mode. <laughs> it used to be a game that I used to have when I was youth pastoring. Every sermon that I ever came up with, and that, by the way, I was told they weren't very good. <laughs> and I've just, it never stopped me, Monique. And I'm, just, <laughs> and I'm just teasing you, okay? I'm teasing you. But every, 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 a sermon I ever came up with ended up after you do everything, you, do, you know, all these, all these examples of story, but all of these came down to so, kids, what is it? Read your Bible and pray. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the transforming agent of the Godhead in our lives today? It's the Holy Spirit. How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit today? In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says that we are regenerated and we are renewed by the Holy Ghost. So if your thought life is giving you problems, if your word life, what's coming out of your mouth, it says that, that Jesus, his, his words were, spirit and they were life do your words give life think about this past week your words have they been giving life these are some real practicals pastor david so i hope you're proud of me forget the how the how and you see it's never pretty Last week, we, we, I, I opened with Psalms 112. It talked about blessed is the man that fears the Lord and, and uh, delights greatly in his word. And then it goes into verse 2, and it talks about all the awesome things. And we get so excited about all the awesome things. But we forgot about verse 1. We forgot about, do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in God himself? Do you delight in the Holy Spirit? And, and it's not the bells and the whistles. It's the consistency, and it's the persistency. It's like, oh, you know what? I prayed for this but for two weeks already. I guess it's not happening. Let's move on to the next. It's about, it's about pursuing. It's about not withholding. Don't let things hold you back from being persistent. And consistent. Abraham finally got the promise. Finally, finally had the heir. And now I got to sacrifice it. 
But Jesus, but, but God said, you have not withheld. You have not held back. And because of that, you will possess. You will occupy. You will subdue. You will gain control. And this morning, this morning, this morning, you can become the gate. You can become what Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was building what he himself was. He said, everything that you see me do, everything you hear me say, the power, the authority that, that you see me wield, it's yours. It's yours. That's what I'm building you into. And today, today, how many of you want to become the gate, the gateway that Jesus Christ has destined you to become? The gateway that is superior to the gates of hell. Whatever it is that Satan plundered, stole, destroyed, he held. He held in his kingdom, held in his house. But that door has been broken down. That gate has been defeated. And you... You have the opportunity this morning to go back in and say, under the authority vested in me by Jesus Christ, I take back what you plundered. And you know what Satan has to say about it? Nothing. Because everything that he relied upon was stripped from him, taken from him, His door has been left wide open. You got to walk through it. You got to say, by the authority vested in me, by Jesus Christ, I'll take that. And you might not see, he, you know, Satan, he knows he's defeated, he knows he's toothless. But do you think he's giving up? So it might take one or two tries. It might take 10 tries. It might take 50. Pastor Winona, you are healed. And we are going to see that victory. I'm going to pray for you every night, if I remember. Sometimes I forget. But we're going to, we, I hope you're with me. I'm going after this. I'm going after the gate, the gates of hell, because they cannot prevail. And, and I might not see it on my first attempt. But you know what? If you don't attempt, you're never going to know. So go for it once. Jump in the pool. Don't dip your toe in. Go past the 21 days. Go for it. Go after it. Pursue it. Don't give up. Because your gate, who you are through Jesus Christ, is superior, more powerful than any opposition that Satan or any demonic force can bring against you. You, with the fullness of Christ dwelling within you, is more powerful than anything else. Amen? Amen. I am sorry. Well, not really sorry, but... I'll apologize for going over my time, but I think we got a couple more minutes left. How many of you need, have a gate that you need to go after? You got to go after. I want you to stand with me. If you got a gate, if there's a gate, you know what? One of my, one of my biggest gates was apathy and a stupid TV. <laughs> I could watch it all night. Show after. And then I, 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 
You know, I tell other people, well, 10 years from now, are you going to think about that show you just watched? Did that improve your life at all? And I tell people that, and guess what I'm doing? I'm watching the same stupid shows. And I like sports. It's okay. But what are you pursuing? What gate? I had to get rid of the apathy. I just, I wasted time. I was really, I, no, I, I, can't, I can't say I was really smart, but I kind of was. I was kind of. And I, I could put things off, and I could cram, and I could pass, a really good pass, by not putting much effort in. And so I was good at procrastinating, and then, oh, man, it's youth tonight. I better get going on a study for, and it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that way. I've gotten, then I discovered, then I discovered by studying a little bit on Monday, a little bit on Tuesday, filling up on Wednesday, going a little more on Thursday, that I now have too much material. <laughs> so I got to start procrastinating again. No. <laughs> Uh, but the consistency and the persistency to fill up. You know, some people think, oh, you know, yeah, you had that experience with the Holy Ghost, and boom, you're topped up, you're good, you're full of the Holy Ghost and power. It says later in Acts that the apostles actually continually filled themselves up. It wasn't a one-time experience. Pentecost was not a one-time experience for them. It was consistency and persistency. So, this morning, by the power that has been vested in you, by Jesus Christ, I speak to those gates that are holding us back, that they are torn down in the name of Jesus. That those gates are not more powerful than you. They are not more powerful than the, the authority that has, been invest, that has been vested in you. They are not more powerful than the kingdom that you are part of here and now. And the weapons of our warfare, warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty, powerful, full of authority to the pulling down of strongholds. And I declare strongholds torn down in the name of Jesus. Strongholds of health, of finances, of fear. They are torn down in the name of Jesus. And that you will possess the gate that has been a hindrance to you. You will possess it and overcome it. You will possess. You will occupy. You will completely destroy that which held you back and was a stumbling block to you. Will now become a stepping stone to greater things. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we will possess and we will move forward. And of your kingdom, Lord, in us there will be a continual increase of your power, your authority, your anointing in our lives. We will steward it. We will lean into it. It will become a lifestyle for us. That is our commitment, Lord. That is our commitment. That it will become a lifestyle. And we will persist. And we will be consistent. And we will not. We will not allow the stones of that stronghold that once held us back. We will not build again. 
We will not build again the walls of that stronghold. We will not allow those stones to build themselves up. But we will take captive every thought. We will captivate. We will stop that thought and we will say, I'm not going down that road. And we will stop those thoughts mid-stride and we will captivate it and say, no. No, I'm not going there. I'm on this road of power and anointing. And we will take that thought and stop it in its tracks. And we will not allow it to take any root in our spirit or in our soul. We will not give opportunity to the lies of Satan. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. I want to pray for Pastor Winona.